Welcome to Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna. Where I take a weekly look at the trials and tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Samabai. Each week I'll do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters find themselves in, like is minding your best friend's baby without their permission really kidnapping? Or is murdering a murderer really a crime? Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. One top tip before we get started to really make the most of your home and away viewing is no spoilers. I can't tell you how much of a game changer it is. As the episode ends, hit pause, put your fingers in your ears, turn it on mute. Just don't look at what comes up tomorrow. It's totally going to change how you see Home and Away and experience the show. There'll be twists and turns you did not see coming. Don't look at the episode descriptions. Don't go online. Avoid any kind of spoilers. Honestly, it's a total game changer. Try for one week and see. And you can let me know how you get on. Email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. I can't tell you how good it is. I Honestly, I just can't. So we ended last week with an ultimatum Maggie gives to Ben. Much like the whole pass, she tried to give him the week before. It was a terrible idea. She chats it over with Rue, totally regretting it. And obviously it does not go down well. In the midst of a terrible blocked nose, I just cannot. Someone get that woman a tissue. I just can't. You can't have a blocked nose for one month, especially during the biggest storyline you've had all year. It's driving me insane. Obviously, Ben is still mad. I do not blame you, Ben. And as he keeps kind of saying, every time Mum comes into the room, a wall goes up, he clams up. And it's obviously extremely awkward when they move home. Maggie, okay, she's a bit less pushy this week in terms of wanting an answer out of Ben and in terms of like wanting a solution. She finally suggests counselling. But Ben is kind of stuck at the, I can't get past your lying. So he doesn't even want to try entertain the idea of them getting back together because he's still stuck there. Which moves into a very sad turn of events when they start separating, but still living together. And even though they're both getting a lot of pressure from Ziggy, Maggie does kind of hold firm saying, well, the last time I pushed him, he ended up in hospital, so I'm not going to do that again. Which is totally fair enough. Maggie, finally, you are getting the message. So as much as... Ziggy and Maggie are trying to get Ben to see way through it. Ben just can't. And I thought it was nice when Maggie was like, the last thing I ever do as your wife is to put you up in a motel, which is kind of nice for Ben, I suppose. And then and then they update their daughter, Coco. So for anyone wondering who Coco is, she is the daughter of Ben and Maggie's sister to Ziggy. She is still in school. She's kind of, she used to go out with Ryder. She got a scholarship to some environmental sustainability elite school. So she's off kind of at a boarding school. I, I don't know if she's ever coming back. Her and Ziggy used to fight all the time. But then as they matured, they got on much better and actually became very close through Maggie's cancer. But she's on the show. I doubt she'd come back. But I do like the way they looped her in just, you know, keep the family unit going. Because it would be nice if Ziggy had somebody to lean on. Dean is obviously doing a great job, a very, very good job. But, you know, I wish Ziggy would like call Coco. There's no kind of contact between them. A shock. She has remorse for her anger towards her mom. She's starting to feel sorry for her. 
and you can kind of see how she's adjusting to life with her parents being separated. And it is such a big shock because they were the most in love couple on the bay that I have seen. They had like this teenage infatuation with each other. So dismantling Maggie and Ben is actually quite a big deal. And Ziggy must keep coming back to it and thinking that she can save the marriage. But then in true Ziggy form, what she very much inherited from her mother, another ultimatum comes when she's made choose who to sit beside in the diner and then one of you move out or you stay together. But like, I'm not handling this anymore. So classic back to anger, Ziggy. Anyway, and I do though like the way she's moved. She stepped back from being the all-consuming, barging around the bay, you know, making a mess of Colby's house. She's now moved into like, what can I do to help? And it is kind of sad when she's not even really that upset about her passing her TAFE exam and finally becoming a mechanic. She just storms off in tears. So that kind of puts it, like obviously puts it in perspective But when she's talking to Maggie about the marriage breaking down and like Maggie's like, oh, we can't be angry or sad. I'm just thankful for the memories. And excuse me, Maggie, like one very defeatist. I know she's tried, but you also don't have any patience. And that just all seems like very much closure-y to me. That's a bit of a ending language there, which I don't like. And I think it's summed up very well by Ziggy and Fairness Stewart when she's like, with either of them alone, I just don't know what that looks like. And it's very true. And you feel sorry for her because she's really clambering to, to try and make her parents get back together. Her dad's shut down and then her mom is like clambering to forcefully make things work. And that's clearly not working. So I don't know. We're just left in a bit of a... It seems like it's they're not going to get back together. And oh, I just... That makes me really sad. I just really like them as a couple. Look, they were never single. They never had, they've been going out since they were 19. They never had their single 20s. They never had their college years. You know, maybe they need to like move apart to come back together. And I do hope that's the case because I'd be really sad if they broke up. And well, speaking of parents, we had the arrival of one parent, Ryder's dad, Evan Slater. Buckle up, get ready for a rant (laughs) because... He rocks into the bay being like playing his guitar, being this like cool muso and playing a song that Ryder somehow remembers. And when he first arrived in and you know somebody big is coming to the bay when they do the behind the head camera shot and then it's like the big music and he's like, you know, the guitar comes off the shoulder. And like at first I didn't know his age and then I was like, who is this? I thought it was going to be the return of like some character and then he turns around as if I should know who he is but I don't and he turns around and it's this like cool guy and I'm using inverted commas here and air bunnies and it was very anticlimactic being like oh this is just Ryder's dad but they'd made such a fuss in the opening scene of him coming in I was like this guy must be somebody special obviously googled him Cameron Dado so he's some Australian actor who I think Aussies would know that he's doing this like guest starring in the show so that kind of cancels that one out but I just cannot cope with how much I hate him so firstly the clothes generic logo tee denim shirt necklace bracelets boots obviously a guitar and a story like this cheesy musician you could tell he's definitely like 
we know we met Ryder's mum by from singing on the cruise ship. So you just have this like vibe of who he is. Oh, when he comes in and he's like, oh, I just want to get to know you and like you to get to know me. I'm a Gemini. I can accurately guess the temperature at any given time. And I want to know that stuff about you. How is that an opening line to your son? Why would Ryder care about what star sign you are? And why would he care about the stupid random fact? Oh my God, he's so annoying. He is... uh, And then I think it's so predictable that obviously Ryder puts up this front being like, I don't want to get to know you. Like, it'll take Ryder a while to warm up to the dad. And like, I'm surprised by how strong Ryder's being. He's like, who cares? I don't need a dad. I've gone this far without him. Because nowhere in Ryder's storyline has he ever mentioned that he wants to get to know his dad. So this all feels really left field. And then you kind of have like Rue stepping in for both of them. And you and you don't really know like which side she's on. You can tell that she sees the bigger picture. And she's like, Ryder, don't push him away. But also then with Evan Slida, she's really protective over Ryder in a kind of a mom role, which is great because love Rue, love your work. You are so fab. But this whole thing from Evan Slida being like, oh, it's a family trait making bad first impressions. What would you know about bad family traits? What would you know? You don't even know who Alf Stewart is. I'm so sick of this self-depreciating kind of like you probably think I'm some loser and here I am again showing up at the wrong time, you know me. Shut up. No, we don't know you and go away. I really don't like you. Oh, and they're like, oh, Ryder, you've definitely inherited my sarcastic trait by trying to switch the conversation to sarcasm to deflect from yourself. Oh, God, I hate him. I really hate him. And as you can tell, but my hatred for him aside, I do think that Rue is ringing true because she's like, if he leaves now, you'll regret it. And I don't want you to regret it. You can ask him now whatever you want to ask him and like, why not take advantage of that while he's here? But then when Ryder kind of has that kind of confrontation with him and she's like, if you want my forgiveness, you can have it. Like, leave me alone. I'm not some kind of like peace you need to make with your past kind of thing. So it just, it all seems like there's something bigger at play. Why the hell would he just like this washed up rock star crashing onto the bay? I'm just not buying what he's selling. He's it seems like a total phony I don't even like Ryder that much to the to be this protective of him. But this guy is just really under my skin. And him sticking around and Ryder having a problem with it kind of feeds the narrative of, you know, Ryder, like, I'm in it. I'm not in it. I want to get to know you. This is too much. You're too moving too fast. It's fitting into that. So I'm just, that's quite a generic kind of storyline. And then they end up being best friends. Look, it's going on with the Pradas with Tani and Ari. But... It's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not looking forward to more scenes with this man. I absolutely, I just, but I did get a message in during the week on Instagram. You can follow me at Clazzy Cabana, C-L-A-Z-Z-Y-K-A-B-A-N-A. It's a little bit of a twist on Clara Cabana, Clazzy Cabana. And Alma got in touch there. Thank you so much for your message. And she raised a really valid point. So now that Bella is gone from the bay and then Raffi's gone, Ryder's left school. There's actually no school kids in the bay. Nobody's doing their HSE. I can't believe I didn't notice it. So thank you very much, Alma. But also there is, I don't know, is that an on purpose thing? And that they kind of want to give the school kids a break for a year and make the bay appear older. Nick's definitely too old for school, obviously, because he's uh, drinking. (laughs) 
But you also have, then are they opening it up now for a new family to come in and then to have some HSE drama. So that's something to, worth noting. So thank you so much, Alan. It's now time to get into the Colby, Jasmine, Tory debacle. So Colby tries to clear the head wake in the wake of his drunken night out with Jasmine. Good old Max sorts him out with a bacon sandwich and an amazing prank with the egg in it. Loved that, Mac. Fabulous job. Good hangover prank. Very much enjoyed. Side note, Summer Bay Beach is honestly probably the best place to be hungover in the world. You have to go for a swim, lie on that beach and then get a bacon sarnie. The dream. So Colby is still kind of licking his wounds after the lashing that Dean gave him. Willow is in the middle and she's trying to get get the two lads to start talking to each other and the harsh words just keep coming out of Dean and I find this has really come out of nowhere because I know that Colby said oh I wish I could be as happy as you you make it so look so easy and like it didn't show that Dean was that upset about that comment so I just feel like yes they're like extremely harsh words and I just feel like there was like no build up to this this was like Colby had a drunken night out and then bam, he's being given out to. So I don't know. It still feels pretty like out of the blue to me. But like Willow's chiming in, telling it to Colby Strait, being like, Dean had to fight really hard to get where he is. And like it didn't just come easy. And it makes Colby see sense. And now he's back to work and everything. And the kiss and makeup with Dean was great. And it just gets kind of weird from all those really harsh and like personal attacks that Dean did to Colby. They kind of made up like really fast or something they're definitely untangling from each other and then in a brotherly kind of way and then going okay no 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 your actions are why you are where you are Colby and it's nothing to do with me and you being jealous of me is not fair I think I think that's what he's trying to say and also side note so in their kiss and makeup scene and he talks about kissing Jasmine for the second time history lesson so before Jasmine got with Robbo her and Colby were very much new characters. They came to the bay in and around the same time. And a drunken night happens. They go to a nightclub. I think it's like Willow, Dean, Ziggy, Colby and Jasmine. They go to a nightclub and Colby and Jasmine end up kissing. And then there's a photo of that kiss taken in the nightclub that kind of forms part of another story, which I won't come into. But then Jasmine and Colby end up like hooking up being like friends with benefits. They hook up a few times, but then being realised like, oh, look, we're better off as friends. And then she gets with Robbo. But it's that classic case of she was so much better suited to Colby. I never really liked Jasmine and Robbo together. I didn't really buy it. Like, wasn't that invested in them? And I thought I was kind of annoyed because they'd had this big build up to her and Colby and then chopped that off and then put her with Robbo. So I don't know. I clearly can't let things go. Anyway, so the wake of the two other hangovers, we have Colby and Jasmine then clearing the air. Willow also getting involved. Like, how would Colby survive without Willow? It's crazy. But after sorting things out, it all gets on top of Jasmine and she has a panic attack from her regrets and the fact that she she gets really overwhelmed that she's kissed Robbo's best friend in, in Robbo's apartment, even though she feels like she's betrayed Robbo. And she says to Colby that she used him to do it and that she's really sorry. But then Colby's like, I betrayed Robbo. You don't need to worry. We were both bad. So that all seems fine. Then we get Colby taking the step back. Then we get Jasmine saying she's leaving the bay. 
And then, ugh, like what? I understand Colby's reasonings. I really do. But do you have any idea what is actually going on in the bigger picture? Saying to his friend that he wanted to take a step back was totally misguided. I'm glad. Willa's been quite useful in these situations. She's really given out to everyone, mainly Colby, but like telling people what they need to do and what they need to do to fix it. And then Willow is then able to tell Irene and Leah that Jasmine's thinking about leaving the bay. And she's doing her best then to convince Jasmine to say, saying like, oh, I'll miss you. Jasmine, that can't be your only bloody solution into leaving the bay. But it's kind of, that's her only option is just like, this is too overwhelming. I actually just need to get out of here. Then enter Tori. So, of course, the first person who Jasmine wants to see after being told the news about Colby, then she sees Tori, of course. Tori's then regretting telling Jasmine to stay away, understandably. And then Justin is near once he hears she wants to get out of the bay Justin's like yep yep off you go bye she needs a fresh start off you pop she doesn't respect her boundaries she needs to learn them fast and I think it's interesting how Leah's getting involved because she is so strong headed and she does explain Tori's points to Justin in a way that Tori can't just from that like sibling dynamic that they have going on Tori does do a very good job at convincing Jasmine to stay and she oh Tori, you're a clever woman. You're the last link to Robbo and I want you to tell Grace about Robbo yourself and I don't want to have to be the one to do it. Obviously, that was the cincher that was going to make Jasmine stay. So I think when she said that, Jasmine was then totally convinced. And then we get the showdown insult. So they start chatting. Jasmine's like, oh, I'm getting in the way. And you're like, well, you are getting in the way. I have no solo time with Grace but there is a way to make it work. And to, I love Tories. She's like, we cannot build trust on dishonesty. And why did you do it? Why? And I just am obsessed with how defensive Jasmine was on it. Like, I think Tori is like still constantly bringing it back. She's bringing it back with Justin and Jasmine saying, we might disagree on this, but Grace is my daughter. End of. You guys cannot decide this stuff. So then we have Jasmine going, all I did was what Robbo would have done. And in fairness to Jasmine, if Robbo did hear that, he would have pulled Grace out of Marilyn's care. But Robbo's the parent. Jasmine, you are you are not. And you're not exactly cl- thinking clearly, even though you think that you are. And I thought Jasmine really did show her teeth when she's like, that's how I'm going to react if I think her safety is at risk. But then, then comes along, Jasmine explains things to Irene. And Irene goes, you got to find a new perspective on this or else you're going to be cut out. They're only including you in a way to be nice. They don't have to include you and you don't legally have any rights. Then we have cue the creepy music. A very vacant apology comes to Marilyn and like on what stage? Of course, in front of Justin, Leah and Tori. Totally don't believe this. Not a bit. And then it comes and then the line. Nothing can keep me away from you, beautiful girl. Oh, oh God, it's so good. And I'm so happy Justin heard it. And also that Leah heard it. So, you know, if Justin had heard that on his own, it would be very hard to retell that story without Justin just looking like a protective brother and uncle. I'm so happy Leah was there. And I know Leah was obviously defensive. 
but she still heard it. And the way Jasmine said it was very, very intense. And I'm so into it. So just when we think it's over, we have a little another little nugget to know that it could be going somewhere. And if we go back to the showdown at Salt, Jasmine was way more passionate about protecting Grace's safety than she was about apologising to Marilyn in front of all the Morgans. Uh-uh-uh, not buying it. Oh, I'm so excited to see where this is going to go. I'm really just in it. I just cannot wait to see what she's going to do next. I really can't. Oh, so good. So now we're going to finish on the Paradas. So we have Tane back, even though Ari is very mad about it. The record repeats again. We get it, Ari. You hate Tane. So Tane comes in, ruffles all of Ari's feathers He's coming in to save the day. He's flirting with Mackenzie. There's square, more square ups at, at the surf club. But then we do start seeing a shift in Ari. He's changing his tact a little bit, sharing his fears about what he's really at, which is something that we should be thinking about because where is all this money coming from? Where is all this like, I'm going to save the day? And Ari is pushing Tani on that, which is good. But Tani's like, I'm going to fix things and... What has he done? He's gone and rented them a house. But I'm so sick of like, how many times do we have to be told that they have to get along? Like, I thought we were, I thought we were kind of past this or there could be a change. But I do appreciate Ari's softer approach with Nick. I think that'll hopefully work. Because all he wants is him to just be a bit kind. Like, is that so much to ask? Hopefully this shift in Ari will last and Tane won't get so much under his skin that he'll just go off again. Okay, well, before another rant begins, I'm going to wrap that up for this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate or review the podcast if you have a sec, but zero pressure. And if you want to get in touch, you can email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about the no spoilers. Just try it for a week and see. Don't look at the episode descriptions. Do not look at what's coming up tomorrow on Home and Away. Just press pause. It's super tempting. But my oh my, is it worth it. G'day, and I'll talk to you next week. 